0: said amen. amen amen acts chapter 2 verse 41 we're in a series going through the books of Acts, a book of acts called realignment our realignment series and this morning i want to talk to you about the product of pentecost the product of pentecost but really it's about uh, organic church what is organic church. I don't know if you're able in this day of inflation to afford organic things anymore in the grocery store. How many people uh, grew up on the off-brand? I'm talking about the off-brand cereal. That was what we grew up on, right? I remember my, uh, so we grew up, uh, you know, I didn't grow up with a whole lot of money uh, when, when my parents were here in uh, Louisiana, Arkansas. You know, man, we grew up, all my family was in trailers. We grew up driving a Zuzu rodeo and a Zuzu car. My mom worked at the bank. My dad uh, worked at, the, at a factory and the shipping yard. And, uh, you know, off-brand, that's pretty normal. And, you know, for most of us, we kind of realize sometimes you're just him for the label. I mean, right? Sometimes that stuff is just as good as everything else. But I know sometimes, how many know, it's not always the same. So I remember my dad, uh, he, he was a, a cereal-aholic uh, growing up. We ate cereal a lot. And he would never let my mom buy the off-brand, the generic version of whatever his favorite cereal was, because he just swore it did not taste the same, you know, right? So sometimes it is the same, but sometimes those generic things, uh, they are not the same. Let me give you an example. How many you know Mr. Pibb is not Dr. Pepper? I'm just saying. Mr. Pibb is not Dr. Pepper. Nobody Dr. Pepper. Fan. How about McDonald's barbecue rib sandwich? We all agree is not the same as real Southern barbecue. Amen. Okay, come on, y'all. Y'all Southern. Uh, What about fish sticks? How many would rather have fish sticks than good old Southern fried catfish? No, not a hand in the service. Right. I mean, there's a difference. Sometimes things just ain't the same as they were or as they're supposed to be. Right? It doesn't taste the same. Generic. The off thing is not always the same. It's not always good. Um, It's kind of like Chevy versus Ford. Anyway, uh, or. Organic, though, is always supposedly best. Organic, the real thing, the authentic, real deal, normally is always best. But let me tell you, even the organic strawberries at the store are nothing compared to the strawberries we've been growing at home. You know that. There's something good about mom's home cooking, the real deal, something made with a lot of butter and a lot of love. That's how it works. And uh, let me give you some examples to see if you can kind of understand with me today how much uh, how many of you would like the authentic thing versus the generic thing okay how many who likes mom's homemade mashed potatoes straight from the potato squished and mashed and man yeah okay here we go well here you go brother ron this is great values buttery flavored complete potatoes (laughs) just just (laughs) right there miss doris i know she can't even that didn't even exist in your house anymore i know that how many people who loves pop tarts Pop tarts. I, I see some kids. This is great values frosted cherries, plastic toaster pastries. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> now I am an Oreo guy. This is my. This is this is the sin of my life. Uh, I have to have an Oreo every one. You know, one Oreo a day keeps the doctor away. How many like uh, Oreos? Anybody? Oh, look at all these. Look look at all the hands for Oreos instead of mashed potatoes. Here we go, Miss Crystal. Here's great values twist and shout. Uh, I don't know what it's made with. Okay. Uh, now we are southern. How many like good old-fashioned corn yellow grits with a lot of butter? Yeah, here we go, Kim. Here's instant butter-flavored grape-value grits. I don't know what you do with those. Okay. And what about uh, who likes Thanksgiving stuffing made by mom, right? Thanksgiving stuff. I got a kid in the back. She's going to love this grape-value chicken-flavored stuffing uh, <laughs> made with something else. I don't know. And then how many people like Coca-Cola? Who's a Coca-Cola drinker? You got to have a Coke a day? No, there's no coca. There we go. Here we go. Sam's Cola. It's exactly the same. Exactly the same. That's what they all say. Okay. Yeah, good luck. You know, there's something about the real deal. There's something about the real thing. And maybe the problem with generic is, if you look at the definition of what generic says, and Webster says, it is something of no particular distinctive quality or application, Something of no particular distinctive quality or application. What does that mean? You can substitute something like it with it. You can substitute it for anything else. One generic can be substituted for another generic. There's nothing distinctive in the quality or in the application. And let me just pose to you a question today. Perhaps we have only been experiencing generic church. Perhaps we've only been experiencing generic church, something with no distinctive quality or application, something that can be substituted with something else. Something that can be substituted with something else. Because there's nothing like the real deal. There's nothing like the authentic thing, because it can never be substituted for something else. But in America today, we can so easily substitute generic church for TV. We can so easily substitute generic church for a busy, busy schedule. We can substitute generic church for all sorts of things because we really haven't tasted the real thing. Generic is something you can substitute for something else. We can substitute generic church for religious routines and cultural traditions, and that will pacify generic church. But if you've never tasted generic church, I want to paint a picture of what that looks like today. And maybe some of you have actually tasted of the real thing, and you're longing to taste of it again. Longing to taste of it again. You see, in the New Testament, we're about to open up a chapter about real, raw New Testament Christianity, raw, organic church, the kind that Mom used to make, right? That, that old-time Pentecostal true Spirit-filled, Bible-based, New Testament Christianity. There is nothing, nothing that tastes like the real thing. And I don't care what we put on it. How many programs, how many pastors, how many polished sermons, how many buildings and lights and media, how much we do to wow you or worship for you or, you know, attend your kids for you. There is nothing like New Testament Christianity when the power of the Holy Spirit fills the church and makes them into the people they've been called to be. There is nothing you can substitute for that. And that's what we're talking about today. What is the distinctive quality and the application of our Christianity? What is the distinctive quality and the application of our church? Or are we just doing generic off brand Christianity? All right, let's look in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. If you're there, somebody say amen. You know, when the Spirit produces something, it is always organic. When the Spirit produced the church, it was organic. Uh, and, and this chapter is more than just about spiritual experience in the book of Acts. It is about the spiritual results of what happens when a group of people like this first 120 followers of Jesus Christ who waited in an upper room praying for 10 days they had already accepted the great commission they'd believed in the blood of Jesus Christ they'd seen him raised from the dead he had breathed the Holy Spirit on them in John 20 and they said yes God we will go to the nations we accept this great commission we believe you're the Messiah we believe you've been rose from the dead they were saved full of the Holy Spirit, and they began to wait for something. They waited for the ability of what Luke is going to call the immersion of the Holy Spirit for the power of witnessing, for the power of telling the world who Jesus was. He said, you need this immersion, this baptism, this immersion of the Holy Spirit to go be the people I've called you to be. But it was more than a spiritual experience. It was the results of what was about to happen, Peter, filled with the Spirit, preaches this message. 3,000 people who are in attendance at this festival are saved, baptized. Some people believe they were uh, baptized also in the Holy Spirit, just like the first 120. And then what happens now, that's where we're at, is the spiritual produce, the fruit, the spiritual produce of what happens when the ingredients of the Holy Spirit come into a church. Look at verse 41. So then those who had received His Word were baptized, or immersed, And on that day, they were added about 3,000 souls. And what happened? Here's the results. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many signs and wonders were taking place through the apostles. And all the believers, all, all, somebody say all. All the believers were together and had all things in common. They would sell their property and possessions and share them with all to the extent that anyone had a need. And day by day, continue with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together. There's that word again. With gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. This is the product of the day of Pentecost. Right here. Luke, you could almost end the book right here. This is the perfect ending to the second chapter. It's the result of everything that God was about to do, not only in this 3,000 but in the rest of the world. What his intentions were for the rest of the church, from the book, that part of the book of Acts through the rest of the time. Every church, he wants to experience this. Why? Because Jesus came and he said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. And he says that I'm doing these things, and I'm telling you these things. Even in the world you're going to have tribulation, but in me your joy is going to be full. There's something supernatural going to happen in the community of faith. And let me tell you something. The world is trying to gain what Christ has already given. There's even many church members still trying to gain what Christ has already given. It's the full abundant life. And let me tell you something. It's only found in Christ-like community. It's only found in Christ-like community. You will never find what your soul is looking for outside the body of Jesus Christ. You'll never find true love and fellowship even in your blood relatives like you should find it in the church. This is homemade, organic, spirit-filled, how it's supposed to be and how it's supposed to taste. These people left their blood relatives for something they found in the community of faith. There was something they tasted in Jesus Christ that produced something that they couldn't want to, they didn't want to leave, and everybody wanted to come, taste and see. They were born of the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, and they began this thing called the church, Christ-centered community. And what are the distinctive qualities that made their church organic? Organic. I'm just going to give you four quick things here today. What are the distinctive qualities that made their church organic, that kept them from being generic Christianity? Number one is this. They were devoted to Christ. They were devoted to Christ. They weren't just converts, but they became became disciples. There's one thing about just coming in and hearing and being changed, but there's another thing about coming in and participating in the family of God. They weren't just converts. They were disciples. They were learners, And lovers of the word, and the Bible says they continued steadfastly. Steadfastly in the Greek, there means they did not want to leave; they wanted to keep on coming. Why? They wanted to keep coming, not to the spectation of what church was having. They says they were steadfastly listening to the teaching of the Word of God. The teaching of the Word of God. That's that means they were attentive and not leaving. These spirit filled apostles began to teach. What were they teaching? They were teaching the revelation of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, the revelation of the prophetic plan of God, and they were teaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The revelation of who He was and how God was trying to get in here all these times and the things they had missed. And they said, wow, man, do you see Jesus in Genesis? Can you see Jesus in Deuteronomy? Can't you see Jesus in the prophetic words of Psalms? Jesus has been there all the time. And they were just amazed as they began to pull out Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And the prophets filled with the Spirit began to expound on the sermons, expound on the Old Testament and say, can't you see Jesus? God has been trying to narrate your story for so many thousands of years just to get him here. And guess what? He's here. And now he's risen from the dead. And now you can have his spirit living on the inside of you. And they're like, I've got to come back tomorrow to hear more about this guy. They were lovers of the word of God. That is the first ingredient of an organic church, a spirit-filled church. But here's the problem. Sometimes we can look at, why am I living in generic Christianity? Why am I living in something that can be replaced for something else? The first thing I can think of is that Jesus no longer keeps our attention. They were steadfast, which means they were attentive to him. Man, Jesus, for sometimes you've been in Christianity, in American Christianity so long, it seems like he no longer keeps our attention. We'd rather stay home and watch Netflix than come to a Sunday night service or to a revival meeting... Let's just be honest. I'm going to just be honest with you today. I want the real thing. And why aren't we living in the real thing in America today? It's because we're not really attentive. We're not drawn to him, the word of God, like we once were. He no longer wiles the majority of the American church. We're happy to attend one or two church services a month. But we're the first church they said we met day by day. We did not want to leave. Man, we, we were fine to have revival services uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. They were attentive. They wanted that hunger. Don't you remember when you first got saved, that hunger, just to learn? I remember when I first got saved, I just bought every book on Amazon. Man, it, Amazon was a new thing back then, and I just remember buying this book and that book. I just want to learn. I want to learn. I want to grow. And I didn't even have a calling in the ministry in that time. I just began buying commentaries and books on the Holy Spirit and this on that. Everything I had a question about, I just began reading reading, just trying to eat enough of God. Secondly, I can think that we're no longer teachers and students like they were, teachers and students and learners. But now we're looking for a church for performers and attenders. We don't want to go to teachers and student. We want to go to performers and... And attenders That's what America has been longing for, and that's why we're so unhappy. That's why we're so unsatisfied. That's why the church isn't distinctive any longer, is that we've come to be performed to and just attend. I mean, there is a participation with a first-century church. We want a a preacher who has a certain preaching style, a music style, a buildings and programs. Some people think that Pentecostal uh, preachers have to shout and spit and speak in tongues and run the aisles. Let me tell you, the, the epitome of a Pentecostal preacher... Jesus. The epitome of a Pentecostal preacher was Jesus. And what was he known as? A teacher. A teacher. Come on, let's just shake it up a little bit this morning. The epitome of a Pentecostal pastor, of a Pentecostal preacher, is Jesus. I'm going to give you a holy habit in each of these. The first holy habit I can challenge us today is that we just need to repent, get back to the Word of God, to read your Bible daily, until the Spirit speaks to you. You can find a Bible plan if you want to, but let's just be practical. Read your scripture every single day in whatever book of the Bible. Read it all the way through. And every single morning or evening, you read that Bible until the Holy Spirit speaks to you. It may be one verse, two verses, it may be ten chapters, but you read that Bible every day until he starts speaking to you. And as you begin to slow down and not just go through a 30-book Bible program in a day or just try to knock it off your list, you make sure you stop your day every day, read that word, and let the Holy Spirit say something to you. And then get a journal, write it down, and say what he said. So you can go back and say, God has been speaking to me about this, this, and this. That's that first challenge I'm going to give to you. Number two, he says they were devoted. It says they were devoted to communing with God. These first believers met, and all they wanted to do is keep meeting with God. They became lovers of praise and prayer. I I wrote this down. They came for a festival, but what they got was revival. They came to a meeting. that They didn't come with knowing what God was going to do, but when God did it, they let God do it. Sometimes we come in with expectation of what we want from church, and sometimes we just need to let God do what he wants to do and just run with it. So they came for an expectation. They said, we're going to come for this and such day. We're going to come for this festival. We've got X amount of money. We're going to stay in Jerusalem for a few days, and then, honey, we're going back home because we've got to get to things. But they came, and when God showed up, they stayed. They stayed. They lingered. They came for another night and another night and another night because they longed to be in the presence of God. When God finally, they had a taste of God, they just wanted more. And they didn't care what was going on at home or what was going on on Monday night or Tuesday night. They just said, the best place for me to be is hanging out with those crazy Pentecostal-looking people over there. Those people, there's something there. They met at 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. and 3 p.m., You see, they had all taken off work to come for this week of feast, And this early church had been praying for 10 days straight, but now prayer had become a lifestyle for them. One author says this. He says, prayer is the environment in which God acts. So what are some sins of the church today? One, I think we never pray long enough for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. Back in the early, early even in the the Methodist movement in America, the Baptist movement in America, the Pentecostal movement in America, altar calls used to last for at least 30 minutes to an hour. They did. They just lasted. And now we come for five minutes and then we go home. We never pray long enough for the Holy Spirit to be poured. Can I just be honest? We don't pray long enough for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. We used to have uh, weeping services and lingering services, and we used to have waiting, just called waiting on the Lord. man. Remember those words where people used to just come and tarry until God began to move. Today we are more known by our opinions and our preferences than our prayer lives. Our churches are more known by their opinions and their preferences than our prayer lives. James 6 uh, in the Amplified says, "...the heartfelt, persistent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power." Are we a praying church? That's the second ingredient. A praying church. I'm going to challenge you. Your second holy habit is that I challenge every person who's on our team and our leadership and every small group who comes to connect course with us. Do you have a prayer life? At least 30 minutes a day. 30 minutes a day, maybe you're driving, maybe you're riding on a lawnmower, 30 minutes to an hour a day, I challenge you to have a prayer life. You say, well, Pastor you, I pray all the time. I, I, I have just tell you this. I have never known anyone who can pray without ceasing who cannot pray an hour. I don't know anybody who can pray without ceasing all day. That habit of of a holy habit of starting off with just 30 minutes in the morning or 30 minutes at night before you go to bed or you're driving. Man, just make it a holy habit to turn everything off. And every day, spend 30 minutes to an hour a day praying with God. And see, see if it doesn't turn into an all-day thing. But it's got to start somewhere. It's got to start somewhere so it can become a lifestyle. Jesus said, can't you even tarry one hour with me? There it is. Can't you even, they looked at, they prayed for hours. Can't you tarry one hour with me? The third thing that we see an in ingredient in the early church is they were devoted to community. The Spirit moved them, it says they had koinonia, which is fellowship. They had koinonia, but it really means having things in common. You see, they didn't have a church building, so when they met, the only place to go, they had 3,000 people. Can you imagine having 3,000 people and no church building? What did they have to do? They had small groups. It's a new invention, by the way. Now, a small group, they had house churches. They began to meet from house to house. They said, you know what? They didn't have a a volunteer schedule or a roster. There wasn't a a permission slip given out. There wasn't a recruitment process from the apostles saying, who's got a Bible degree and a seminary degree? They said, hey, my house is open.'" Open. I'll take some people, come on church. If they began to meet from house to house because people were prompted organically, spirit led to say, I will take whoever will, come into my house and we're going to have church together tonight. They had small groups. We have home groups on Sunday nights. But it was more than just a religious meeting. It was this close relationship that says they began to share goods and have meals. They prayed and worshipped together. It says they were genuinely, authentically happy. Genuinely, authentically happy, hanging out together. When's the last time you were genuinely authentically happy? The Bible says it happens in Christ-like community when Christians just hang out. And at the end, they would do all this and they would celebrate the Lord's Supper. In a sense, what they were doing is leaving a seat empty at the table in a spiritual sense for Jesus to also be there. What if we began inviting Jesus? into our homes again and leaving an empty seat for Jesus. How, what kind of a spiritual thing? You sit down for the table, come on with your family, and there's me and Ari and Addie and Beth, and that seat's Jesus. To literally invite him into your homes and take a safe place a pace for him. And you've got to realize, man, how holy your home's going to be then, right? Man, we don't want to watch Jesus. Jesus don't need to be in that room when Netflix is on. Jesus don't need to be there when we're fighting. But they laid, made a space for Jesus in their homes. Come on, somebody. They made a space. And they invited the church in and they invited Jesus in. Just as the 120 were in one accord, not a Honda, just as they were in one accord, So was the 3,000. Somebody got that. Together. One accord and one mind. To be together. What are the sins of today for this? One author said they were much together. And the verb of that is togetherness. It's not really a real word. But they had togetherness. You know what we have in America? Individualness. Individuality. I'm going to come, do my thing, and go home. Come do my thing, got in my schedule. Man, what about togetherness? What about being genuinely, authentically happy? You know, Galatians said the fruit of the Spirit, when he begins to produce in the church, is going to be love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That togetherness began to manifest in a way that as these, this festival basically turned into revival, many of these Jews were supposed to go home And so they said, well, we want to still keep coming to these church services. We're like, well, we got to go home. We're running out of money, babe. The hotel's about to kick us out. Not really, but, you know, in a sense. So they said, well, I've got some extra land. I never go out there. I never use it. I'm going to sell it. Members in the church began selling things they hardly ever used, didn't really need, because their heart was more attached to the fellowship of the church than to the attachment of the things of their world. That is powerful. They were more attached to being together than owning property and possessions. This is something unheard of and unseen in the modern American church. We really value our possessions. We value our individuality. We value our time to go home and be by ourselves and turn on the TV and be alone. Because why? We have been so busy that we're burnt out and we've got no time to be the people of God cricket, cricket. It's true. They made space for being the people God had called them to be. And when they heard a need in their fellowship, because they loved people in their fellowship so much, they said, that is nothing for me to give up for you. That's nothing for me to give up for you. I'm willingly going to lay that down because I heard there was a need in my church and I'm going to be the one to give. It was spirit-led, not pastor-prodded. It was spirit-led, not pastor-prodded. The pastor never had to get up and say, please, would you please give to this cause? They heard about it and they did it with nobody asking. That's organic Christianity. Spirit-moved, Spirit-led church. You see, we're more attached today to our evening and weekend schedules than to one another. Hebrews says that we've forsaken the gathering. And the reason so many Christians who do share and do serve quickly burn out is because they feel like they're doing it by themselves. And they are. You see, God, uh, one author says, God never saved you to wander off by yourself. I'm going to challenge you, and your third holy habit here is to be in a home group on Sunday nights, be in a midweek small group throughout the week, get in a weekly smaller group of Christians, whether it's something you do by yourself outside of the realm of this church, I, could, I don't care. Be spontaneous. If God calls you to hang out with people from different denominations and fellowships or friends or high school buddies or, or people you have a relationship or coffee with, and the, whatever, have a weekly hangout with other Christians that you can be genuinely, authentically happy. You're not going to get happier by watching more Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever your prescription is. You're not going to be happier by filling your weekends with more and more things to do as a family because this is your family right here. And this is how God has ordained you to have the abundant life. I'm going to just be honest with you as your pastor because I love you. I want you to be happy. I want your joy to be full. And this is the word of God and how he's designed that spirit within you to have the fullness of life. It's in Christ-like community. You see, because if you don't do your part, another Christian will have to. If you don't serve, somebody else will have to. If you don't give, Somebody else will have to, because if you don't do your part, another Christian will have to take up the slack. I would challenge you to free up your finances so much that if you see a brother or you hear a missionary cause, that you'll be able to do something about it, because only the church gives to the church. We don't go out there in the world asking for the world to support our programs and ministries and opportunities. We don't go out there from the world and ask them to be our door greeters and our ushers or minister to our kids. We only ask people in this room, in our fellowship, to give to the things of our fellowship. So look around. This is the people. These are the door greeters. These are the ushers. These are the kitchen helpers. These are the the, attender, the, the people who help every ministry, every tent. These are the, the servers and the workers, the musicians, the, the elders, the deacons. You're all in this room. Don't look around anywhere else. It's here. It's right here. You are it. And if you don't serve, somebody else in this room will have to take up your slack. And if you don't give, somebody else in this room will have to give for you. It's getting good in here. The last ingredient of organic, spirit-filled church is they were lastly devoted to conversions. This inner life of this church produced an outer life that began to attract others. They were drawn to them, just like people were drawn to Jesus by the thousands. And filled with the spirit, this church began to share their faith zealously. Look, Look, Watch this. They let the Lord use them. It wasn't a program. It wasn't a script. It wasn't a Roman road to salvation. It wasn't, it wasn't these tracks that they. Well, it was just being Christian. It was just being authentically Spirit filled in you. You see, as, the, as they were going through their day, the, the Holy Spirit would imprompt them to share a word with someone on the street. And the Spirit would give the word through them. Then, normally, the Spirit would confirm that word with a sign, a miracle, or healing. Or a word of knowledge or wisdom or something like that. And then the Spirit would impart onto that person and the Spirit would move on that person. And then it says, The Lord added to the number. That means the Lord, the Spirit added that person to the church and then the Spirit began to join them in unity. You see that? And at any point, none of it was a work of man. It was always God. It was always God. It wasn't a program. It was the produce of the Holy Spirit. It was the Spirit-led church. It was just naturally happening. Nobody structured an evangelism team. Nobody had an event. Nobody scheduled a team. It was just people being full of the Holy Spirit, surrendering to the Spirit. And when they went out, they had their antenna up. They had their cell phone on. They had four bars. They had LTG or 5G, whatever you've got. And they said, Holy Spirit, I'm so excited to be a Christian. I'm so excited for what Jesus has done in my life. And he says, now go talk to that person right there. And I don't know what I'm going to say. He says, don't worry. Remember what I said back in the day? Jesus said, in John, hey, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say in that hour. Don't worry what you're going to say. Just go. And just open your mouth and begin to talk to them. And I'm going to give you the words. And the Spirit began to speak. And the Spirit began to convict. And then the Holy Spirit says, well, lay hands on them and pray for them. They'll be healed and he says i don't i don't i can't do that and he's like that's right you can't do it but if you just let me do it just watch and see what i can do and they just begin to be that kind of people see this is organic spirit filled christianity what are our sins of today i don't know if we believe that the supernatural should be natural in a supernatural community the supernatural should be natural in a supernatural community. This is not a work of man. Let me tell you something. This is not a work of man. So man can't do the work. Are you with me? Holy Spirit has to do the work. And perhaps we've not made heaven look attractive to people because they don't see heaven in us. Let me say this. People may reject Christ in you because of the truth you give, but people should never reject Christ because of our attitude. Sometimes in Christianity, you kind of see, well, "Well, uh, they have a sour face, and why are they always judging people? And I mean, do they look at us and say, man, that person is so happy, and they're so full, and they're so loving, and they're so caring. What is it in them? You say, well, I met this guy named Jesus, and let me tell you all about him. Genuinely, authentically, full of the Holy Spirit. So my last holy habit for you is this. When you go out of your house, do you have reception? When you go out of your house, is your spiritual cell phone on? How many bars do you have? Because as you go out through your day, I guarantee the Holy Spirit has lining up people for you to talk to. He's lining up people for you to share your word, your testimony with. He's, people are watching you to see how much heaven you have in your life. I believe if you just begin to ask God, he's going to give you a word, and then begin to expect him to do it. Let's be the community that our community wants to be. I'll give you one more illustration, and we're going to close. So, uh, sometimes we love our favorite brands. Okay, so some of us, we have our, our camps. We like the brands that we like. And Christianity is no, long, no, no, no different. We like the brands. I and Pastor Christian, Miss Evelyn, we have a certain brand of Christianity that we we like and we find home in and we like the taste of it. You may have grew up in different denominations and different flavors of Christianity and you like those tastes. That's cool. I, I'm with you. I like different, um, Prego is my favorite brand. I'm not getting, this is online, but I'm not getting any money off of this, right? But, uh, I, I don't know. I, lo- I love Italian food. We, we grew up near St. Louis, and some, St. Louis has got some awesome, authentic Italian food. And so I like this. If I have to make spaghetti sauce, I'm going to start with it. This is my default choice. I'm not going generic. I'm going Prego. I like this brand. But let me tell you something. It's still not homemade. So one of the things that I do on, on our spaghetti at home is I'll take some real basil from my garden, and I'll take some real minced onion that we get. And then I'll, I'll add some other spices into it and some other things. I'm not going to tell you what it is, okay? All right. I add some other things into it, some extra olive oil. I'll take some crushed tomatoes and I'll put into it. And when you taste it, it is as close to homemade, really, as you can get, in my opinion. I started with this base, but I added some organic things into it. I don't care what brand you like, what brand you're in, but you need to have some authentic Holy Spirit added in. I don't care how you do church, what kind of church you like, What kind of music you listen to, what your favorite worship style is, what your preaching style is, what denominational preferences you lean to. You better be sure, though, you have some authentic Holy Spirit leading the way. The number one flavor they should taste is not, I'm gonna say, oh, that's prego. That's good, that's good, that's good prego. They wanna say, wow. What is in this? What did you do to this? There's something in here, I don't know what it is. And they say, let me tell you something, that's the power of the Holy Spirit in this church. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and in your testimony and in your witness. It's not a denominational thing. It's not a preference thing. It's an organic, spirit-filled, born and baptized into the Spirit of God. Because that is the only way it cannot be replaced for something else. Listen to me. Generic things will be replaced, substituted for something else. And if we only do generic church in here, people will come in and say, wow, that's good, but I've got something better to do tonight. There's got to be something in the atmosphere of this community that says, man, when I come in there, there's nothing better than being in the presence of God with my fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. That is what we are striving for. And I'm asking you, pray with us, Seek the Lord with us. That there's something unique going to happen in this fellowship of believers. That when people come in, they don't just say, that church is just like the other church down the road. That church is just like the other 50,000 churches I've been to. You say, no, there's something authentic. It's not a religious routine. It's not a cultural tradition. It's the organic produce of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me this morning? When the Spirit produces the church, It is organic. What is the distinctive quality and characteristic of your Christianity? What is the distinctive quality and characteristic that makes your life not just have generic Christianity? Do you have something in your life moving and breathing among you? The Holy Spirit that your Christianity is not boring or dry or routine. You see, if you compile all all four that I just listed to you, it really is, they love God, so they love teaching. They love God, so they love praise and worship. They love people, so they love hanging out together. And they love people because they love sharing their heart with other people. Love God, love people. It's really that simple. We make it complicated. But you and I can never do this on our own. It is only by the Holy Spirit. Our job right now is just to say, Lord, we repent, we believe, and we receive more of you. Jesus, we need more of your spirit to make us the people you've called us to be. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus, if you were to die today, you don't know where you'd spend eternity. You don't have that security in Christ. You don't have that confident hope that if you die, that you know that you know that you know where you would be in eternity. I'm going to ask you right now, the Bible says, if we would repent and turn from our way of living and thinking and doing, we give up control of our life. And if we would surrender to his control, if we would believe on him, that he is God's son, that he did die on a cross, that he was buried, and he did on the third day rise from the grave, and he did give his spirit to the church, and he is coming back one day very, very soon. If you believe that with all of your heart and you're willing to leave your way of doing life and surrender to his life, you just can make a conscious choice today, and the spirit of God is going to come in you. He's going to make you born again, alive in Christ, And you're going to sense that that old thing has passed away and something new has begun. That's called salvation. And the Spirit's going to bear witness inside of you that you are a child of God. I'm going to invite you, if that's you, just right where you are, you just begin to pray. Just begin to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, oh God. That I can do what the Bible says. If that's you, just right where you are, we just begin to give your life to the Lord. There's no special prayer you can pray, but it's a partnership where you're